Hi Rebels, uh, today is a show you're really going to want to get the video version of. Because we sent Avi Amini to Hong Kong to stand amongst the democracy protesters and he did a great job. Uh, some great interviews, you'll be able to hear them, but my gosh, I, I want you to see them too. And to do that, you've got to become a premium subscriber. Uh, so you get the video version, go to the rebel.media slash shows. And sign up. It's eight bucks a month or eighty bucks for the whole year. You get a discount if you use the coupon code podcast. You get my shows, the video version, Sheila Gunn Reed, David Menzies, and the satisfaction of knowing that you're helping to pay for our independent journalism. All right, that's it for me. Here's today's show. You're listening to a Rebel Media Podcast. Tonight, the Rebel lands in Hong Kong to document the democratic uprising while Communist China bullies democracy activists right here in Canada. It's August 19th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Between 700,000 and 1.7 million democracy activists took to the street in Hong Kong yesterday, depending on which authority you ask. Either way, it was a massive show of force against the Communist Party in Beijing. I call it a show of force, but of course, they are unarmed, which is a problem. They were also unarmed that day in Tiananmen Square, too. And after a brief standoff, the communists just drove their tanks over everybody. As you know, China is mustering thousands of troops just across the boundary from Hong Kong again. It's not even a border, it's just a demarcation, really a street. There are thousands of troops doing exercises just a few miles away, and China is obviously threatening Hong Kong people. It got Donald Trump's attention too, though. No, I think it would be very hard to deal if they do violence. I mean, if it's another... Tiananmen Square, it's, I think it's a very hard thing to do if there's violence. And, you know, that, I'm president, but that's a little beyond me because I think there'd be, you know, I think there'd be tremendous political sentiment not to do something. So I hope, because I think we're going to end up doing a very good deal. He's right. I like how he phrases it. He says, if China were to do that, well, even he doesn't have the power to do a deal. If China massacred Hong Kong people, there'd be no political way for Trump to give China a trade deal at all. He's right. Trump also knows how to negotiate, doesn't he? Trump is enjoying his trade war with China. He loves tariffs. He always has. He sees factories abandoning China to leave to go to work in jurisdictions that aren't tariffed by America. I mean, Build stuff in China, pay a tariff. Build stuff elsewhere, especially build it in America, get into the greatest market in the world, tariff-free. Uh, Trump had dinner the other day with Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple. And you see that? He says that we'll be spending vast sums of money in the U.S. Great. It's pretty clear what he's talking about, moving, moving those computer and cell phone factories from China back to America. That should terrify President Xi more than anything else. But look at that blunt talk. Don't do it, Tiananmen Square. Don't do it. He's even saying the word Tiananmen Square, which is everyone thinking. Trump's the only one saying it. Trump's not the other, like the other leaders. He doesn't speak in riddles. He's the clearest speaker in the world about many subjects, including China's threat. Here he is just the other day, just plain old saying he's not interested in doing any business with Huawei, the Chinese telecom company that is in bed with the Chinese military and therefore poses a security risk to America and Canada too. It's the opposite. Huawei 
Huawei is uh, a company we may not do business with at all. And it was sort of reported, I think, the opposite today. I was surprised that we are open to doing business. We're actually open not to doing business with them. So I don't know who gave the report. Now, they have little sections of Huawei, like furniture and other things that we could do. But when you cut out sections, it gets very complicated. What's being sold? What's coming in? So at this moment, it looks much more like we're not going to do business. I don't want to do business at all, because it is a national security threat. And uh, I really believe that the media is covered a little bit differently than that. So we're looking really not to do business with Huawei. And we're actually talking about not doing any business because, again, the rest of it is not national security, but it's very difficult to ter determine what's coming in, what's not coming in. It's still Huawei. So we'll be making a decision over that in the not too distant future. But it's a little bit the opposite of what seemed to be reported this morning. This guy knows how to negotiate if he didn't realize what he was doing there. Anyways, back to the real threat of violence from China. That's really all they know, violence. I think that China believes Tiananmen Square was a great victory. I mean, in a sense, it was a success for them. You haven't seen democracy protests in China since, have you? And it's not like any country in the world has sanctions against China. The opposite. That fool Justin Trudeau is actually still investing Canadian money in China's infrastructure bank. He'll build pipelines with China with Canadian money, but not in Canada. What an idiot. Back in Tiananmen Square, the protesters in Beijing had a mini Statue of Liberty. Do you remember that? They knew that America was the great symbol of freedom, and still is. The rebels sent our friend, the Australian reporter Avi Amini, to Hong Kong on the weekend. He's still there for a day or two. He saw many fascinating things. Here's an interview he had with Hong Kong protesters who were flying American flags. Why have we got an American flag here today? Because we appreciate the American spirit. We fight for freedom and democracy till death. Okay, um, and so if, if, uh, if you could send a message to Donald Trump, what would it be? Uh, Mr. Trump, uh, we are very humble and powerless people in Hong Kong. And we know that uh, when the Americans fight for their independence, they need to pay a lot, like for blood and life. And we are prepared for that. And in any moment, if you can help us, like the American people and President Trump, please help us. I would like to have this chance to thank President Trump that speak uh, things in Hong Kong for us. Especially a few a few days ago, he uh, speak with a lot of uh, uh, powerful people in different countries about Hong Kong situation, and we appreciate that and thank you for thank you for him to help us uh, speak out the the situation in Hong Kong. And something we want to say to the American common people is that uh, be careful of uh, the Chinese um, business activity because actually they will slowly corrupt your whole country. The workers who, who are in uh, perfect the that, yeah to, the crew that joined the protest. Uh, China request Pacific Cafe Pacific to give out a list of the of their crews that joined the protest and then the CEO refused. So he we think that he is forced to resign his position. Two of them. One of them is CEO. Yeah. I mean, Cafe Pacific is our company. Why the hell the communists can we move, remove the CEO from us? I, we are very angry about this. And a few days ago, a few days ago, uh, something happened in the residential.
residential area in uh, Hong Kong, uh, a city called, uh, uh, an area called Sha Tin. Uh, in the residential area, uh, the government start to build the facial recognition system, which is the first step of their social credit system. They are trying to make Hong Kong like Xinjiang right now. I mean, if we fail this time, Hong Kong will be the second Xinjiang, and all of us, they already arrested 700 people. They, I'm sure they will end up in Xinjiang concentration camp. In my mind, uh, the communists, they are right now, they're actually like Nazi. I mean, I mean, uh, this is what I want to say to the American people and, uh, and Trump, and also to the rest of the world. Uh, this is our duty to fight against something like, something like Nazi. Yeah. If we don't fight here now, we'll lose forever. It's no more Hong Kong. No. It's not, not if, if, if we lose in this battle, Hong Kong is not even an in, international city. It's just a state inside of China. Why, why should Americans care? Because, because Americans are uh, very, how to say it, uh, they care for the freedom and democracy, and we are fighting for this now. So, I think I think they can choose not to care. I mean, uh, it's actually practically, it's it's really practically not their business. I, 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 I in my heart I know that, but it's like we are raising conscience, consent. It's like if you if you want to save us, if you want to safeguard this world, then support us. I found that very touching. And I'm not alone. 120,000 people have watched that video on our special page, HongKongReports.com, in a day. A few quick comments on that. The masks in Canada, the United States, when you wear a mask, it's to hide you from when you commit a crime to make you unidentifiable. It's the opposite in Hong Kong. The Chinese communists with their surveillance state will use facial recognition software to identify you. So they're hiding from the commies with the face masks. As you can see, they're not violent, they're not armed at all. Um, I, I thought it was an interesting point. I don't know if you could quite hear her. She was talking about Cathay Pacific and how the Chinese businesses infiltrate. Cathay Pacific, of course, is one of the world's leading airlines based in Hong Kong, but some staff in Cathay Pacific attended the protests, of course. One in three adults in Hong Kong did. The Beijing government demanded that Cathay Pacific identify and fire its staff. The CEO dug in his heels, so he was sacked. Isn't that terrifying? A warning about letting Chinese infiltration into our business culture. The last point, I don't know if you heard it, she talked about Xinjiang. She said that word fairly quickly, and I don't think many Canadians know what Xinjiang is. It's the province in the west of China that is the Muslim province. Uh, it's also called East Turkmenistan, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there, it's full of uh, an ethnicity called Uyghur, Uyghur Muslims, maybe you've heard that word. China has massive concentration camps, that's what they're called. I haven't seen them myself, but I've seen them described as re-education camps trying to de-Muslimify Muslims. And it's very heavy-handed, and um, it, it's been criticized by some media, but of course, I haven't heard any politicians speak out against it. But did you hear what she said? She said they're trying to use the same surveillance state um, social credit system in Hong Kong that they're doing in Xinjiang. Here's what I mean by that. Total surveillance state all the time, a panopticon, scanning everyone's face all the time, adding that to your permanent, permanent file. And they call it social credit. So if you are seen at a protest, 
you can't have certain privileges. You can't book a train ticket or a plane ticket. You can't get a job. You can't, um, for example, rent an apartment. They call it social credit, which is a very uh, strange euphemism. But so far, 2.5 million Chinese people have been blacklisted by this total surveillance state social credit system in parts like Xinjiang. And she's worried about that coming to Hong Kong, and she should be worried. Well, Avi was doing a really great job, don't you think? I want to show you so many of his videos, I can't show you them all, but I want to show you just one or two more. Avi interviewed Emily Lau. She was the first woman elected to the Hong Kong legislature. <coughs> she chaired the Democratic Party in Hong Kong. She's a democracy activist, as the party name suggests. And she is so, so smart. I'd like to show you the full interview with her. Now, you'll notice that our, our camera fogs up a bit. That's just steam. It was... 30 degrees Celsius and 90% humidity there. So please don't pay attention to that, but listen to this brilliant, strong woman. You're here for the protest. Can you tell us what, what, what is the protest movement? What are they fighting for? Well, initially it was about an extradition bill, which would uh, allow the government to send people from Hong Kong to mainland China for trial. And of course, although we are not a democracy in Hong Kong, but we have the rule of law, independence of the judiciary. But in mainland China, it's complete lawlessness. So people are very frightened and could not understand why the government of Carrie Lam would want to do a stupid thing like that, particularly ever since 1997, when Britain handed Hong Kong back to uh, China, uh, they have been negotiating with the mainland for a deal and could not get anywhere. So you know how difficult it is. And suddenly, out of the blue, because of a Taiwan homicide case, Carrie Lam came out to make the proposal. So the whole town just blew up. And then in the end, because so many people marched and many foreign governments including the Canadian government and others, spoke out. So she came out and said, OK, OK, we stopped the bill. The bill is dead. And people say, what do you mean? <laughs> Why don't you just use a proper language saying the bill has been completely withdrawn? And she refused. And then in the meantime, there were many demonstrations. Many were peaceful, attracting one to two million people. But some, uh, the young people, they had confrontation with the police. And the police beat up a lot of people. And so far, they have arrested over 700 people already. So the people say, well, there should be an independent inquiry looking into the whole saga. Why did the government make such a blunder? And why did the police behave in such a brutal way? And of course, some of the protesters also uh, attacked the police. So we want a comprehensive inquiry. And she refused. So that's why today, uh, the Civil Human Rights Front, uh, which organized the big march for one million and two million, they organized another march but the police said no no march but you can have a rally in Victoria Park but the capacity of the park is only about a hundred thousand and there may be you know a million or more people joining so what do we do so the organizers said okay no violence no disorder so you people you go into Victoria Park once it's full then we'll get ushers to take you out of the park you go to the nearby station to take the train and if there's so many people then the streets next to the park will be full Causeway Bay will be full Wan Chai will be full Central will be full then the government would know that there are many people who want to join this peaceful rally the organizers said also please come don't wear any 
mask, don't wear any goggle, don't wear any gear, we are peaceful. But then some people say no, we will come fully armed. <laughs> so we don't know what will happen. Well, uh, we did see last night some of the escalating on the streets and a lot of the people wearing masks tell us that they wear it because uh, the police are very heavy handed and use uh, yeah. uh, um, different uh, 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 tear gas, etc. Do, do you understand? I understand, and uh, but the organizers say this is a peaceful thing. And maybe you think the organizers are naive. They say that if you're peaceful, if the park is full, then you walk out. And that is no, not an illegal assembly. So if you walk out, that is fine. And the police will not attack you. But some say, oh no, you don't trust the police. They may attack us. If they want to protect themselves, that's fine. But I don't, I don't hope, I hope people will not come fully <laughs> covered up and all that waiting for trouble. And how do you see this all ending? Do you, do you feel, is, we see China at the moment is, get, you know, building a, a, a military might on the border. Are you worried of an invasion? Are you worried that this is going to escalate? First of all, my dear, it's not a border. We are the same country. So it's a boundary. <laughs> I have to correct all these journalists time and time again. Of course they are amassing uh, troops there. And in fact, they allow the foreign press to go in and film them, which is totally <laughs> unheard of. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Well, they want a. They want to show you so that you can show the picture, see oh the military might. But then they also have people. The police here gave an off-the-record briefing to the foreign press two or three days ago, saying, "No need. We are all ready. We don't need any help from across the boundary. We have had no training exercise with them. We can control the situation." So I think the police they are very aware of the bad image. They they're getting internationally. So they want to tell the press, no, we're not going to invite them to come in. And, but on the other hand, there are some people over there who want to uh, scare the Hong Kong people. So I think, by and large, the people don't expect them to march across the boundary. In fact, the People's Liberation Army have been stationed in Hong Kong ever since 97. There's always 6,000 6, of them here, but they are invisible. So now they are flexing their muscle. I think they just want to tell people to calm down, don't fight with the police. But the people say, I don't want to fight with the police. We just want the government to accede to our demands, which are very reasonable. Set up a commission of inquiry, withdraw the bloody bill. We're not fighting for independence or self-determination. Maybe the Canadians, was, <laughs> those in Quebec may support it. <laughs> but we're not fighting for those things. We're fighting for very reasonable things. And in the past 24, 48 hours, the Canadian Prime Minister has spoken out, the British, the German, the Australian, the European Union. And today, just an hour ago, the European Union issued another statement, and then they issued a joint statement with the Canadian government. So you can see the international community is very alarmed, and they're calling on all parties to exercise restraint and to find a political solution and not to use force and violence. And how do you see it ending? Well, I hope it will end like that. Because at the end of the day, my dear, Hong Kong is important to China. 
in spite of the fact they say, oh, China is so rich, we are just a tiny percentage of their GDP, be that as it may. We've got the rule of law. We've got international connections. We are an important international financial center. They come here to raise capital. They use Hong Kong a lot. So I wouldn't think anyone in Beijing in his right mind would want to come in and smash Hong Kong to smithereens. And I tell you, this is Hong Kong. This is not Tiananmen Square. You remember what happened 30 years ago. They say, the Chinese say they're not going to repeat that. And I certainly hope they won't. And the whole world is watching. Last time they stopped the bill, not because a million people march. They stopped the bill because there were 67 statements issued by foreign governments. Not 67 bombs, 67 statements. So I call on the international community, particularly the Canadian government, because I don't know whether you know, there are 300,000 Canadian citizens living and working in this city. Many Canadian companies. So Canada has a real interest here to make sure that peace is restored, that the government can enter into negotiation with the opposition and settle this amicably. That was great. I want to just show you one more video, and this is our special show today. Just Avi, I can't talk to him because of time zones and connections, but I, it's like we're talking to him. It's a young woman explaining the five demands of the protesters. She also adds in one of her own that seemed to be a personal beef. She doesn't like mainland Chinese coming into her neighborhood and shopping. Uh, that seems a bit made up. I don't think that's why a million and a half Chinese were protesting, but she does list the official five reasons. It's like someone who says, oh, there's 11 commandments. Uh, you have to give me more allowance or something. It, it felt a little silly, but she's a smart woman. And I'm impressed with how young so many of these protesters are. Here, just take a look at this. Do you know the five demands of Shai? So the first thing is we want the extradition law to be completely withdrawn. So Caroline has not been promising to withdraw it. So we really want that, like the government to reply to that. Secondly, we want to set up an independent inquiry uh, to the police because they have been very brutal to the protesters. So we want an independent investigation and then have the uh, corresponding outcome that, like, that is suitable in response to the police brutality. And the third thing is we want the release of all the protesters that have been arrested. Fourthly, we want um, the uh, we want a universal suffrage to be implemented, which is promised by the Basic Law. So our Hong Kong people want to choose our own chief executive. The fifth one is that we want the classification of riot to be withdrawn as well, because we are not rioters, and a lot of the protests are peaceful, but then they got wrongly classified as riot. So we. We want that to be withdrawn as well. So we want the. So what, at the moment, what is right is um, what's it defined as? Um, basically, even for the 12th of June protest, um, the government has defined it as a riot. But then we haven't killed anyone. We didn't do any indiscriminate damage or attack to civilians like the police or the gangs did. So we are simply being very peaceful, sitting in or like rallying for our five demands to be answered. I really like these Hong Kong people. I, I admit I, I sort of love the slight British accent laid over the Chinese accent. I love how young they are. I love how dedicated they are. How can you not sympathize with people like that? I support their five goals. How can you not? In Canada, there is support for them, but also not. Over the weekend, Canada's hapless 
Christian Freeland put out a statement on the protest, but she didn't actually condemn China. The only person or people she condemned, she insulted, she called them unacceptable were the protesters. I'm serious. That's the only thing she called unacceptable. So Canada, as usual, bent the knee to Beijing, and still Beijing was tearing a strip off Canada for uh, even Freeland's meek press release. When you appease a tyrant, it's never enough because the tyrant detects something about you. They, they learn something about you. You are morally weak. You are an appeaser. So they can always ask for more, always demand more, always compromise more, and they always do. You'll notice that tr China treats Trudeau and Freeland with far more personal abuse than they'd ever treated Stephen Harper, who was very tough on them. A and China positively lavishes praise on Donald Trump because he will not be bullied. If anything, he'll bully them. He's the toughest anti-China guy around. But remember how they treated him when he actually visited China? Here, take a look at this little video. Our relationship with you and China is a very important one to me and to all of the people of our country. The United States, working with China and other regional partners, has an incredible opportunity to advance the cause of peace, security, and prosperity all across the world. A great responsibility has been placed on our shoulders, President, and I hope we can rise to the occasion and help our countries and our citizens reach their highest destinies and their fullest potentials. In the coming months and years, I look forward to building an even stronger relationship between our two countries and even closer friendships and relationships between the people of our countries. Mr. President, thank you very much. Pretty friendly talk there, but not conceding anything, actually. Uh, he's been a tough China basher for years, and red carpet. That's how dictators react to those with a backbone. Abuse for pathetic losers like Trudeau and Freeland who, well, who talk like this. We're quite proud the Prime Minister has been given a fond nickname in China. Which is? He is called Pudou, which I believe means potato. And he is, I can't say the Chinese word, it's Xian Pudou, little potato, because his father, Pierre Elliott Pudou, was senior potato. So we feel we are off to a great start. You know, I mean, I love Canada. I'm a Canadian, fourth generation Canadian. I love this country. But it's hard not want to, not, it's hard to see that kind of pathetic folly and not want to just, I can understand why China kicks us like we're a lame dog. Because how can you not? I mean, I would never kick a dog and I, and I don't like it. But that's so pathetic. They must be disgusted with us over there in Beijing. How could they possibly treat us with respect if we have no self-respect? I'm sorry, that is so embarrassing. And she still thinks that way. Oh my God. You know, quick point. I mentioned that there are pro-democracy activists here in Canada. Of course there are. Um, but the troubling thing is there's a number of Chinese immigrants to Canada who don't really like freedom or democracy at all. They didn't come to Canada with the waves that came uh, in, in the lead up to 1997 from Hong Kong. They're not Taiwanese, they're not other dissidents or democratic refugees. They came from communist China, they know nothing else. And look at this case, there was a meeting in Vancouver at a church 
of pro-democracy Chinese, our kind of people. But look at outside. Masses of government communist Beijing sympathetic Chinese surrounding the church in a hostile way. Canadian police had to go secure the church and let the democracy protesters out here in Canada. And one more thing. Here in Toronto, look at this. Flashy Ferraris and Porsches flying communist China's flag, honking their horns in support of China's crackdown against the Hong Kong Democrats. But of course, those are the spoiled rotten kids of Chinese oligarchs laundering their ill-gotten gains here in Toronto. Imagine that, 20-something kids driving half-million-dollar cars, the perfect symbol of the Chinese oligarchs in Beijing. It makes them easy to root against. I tell you, I know whose side I'm on, that of the Hong Kong democracy activists we've shown you so much of today. We're going to keep covering this story because we love freedom. We don't want Canadian or American soldiers going to war over there. That's not even in contemplation. All we want, I think, is what Trump is doing. And all he's doing is speaking truth to power, pushing back at China in the way that hurts them most by showing public sympathy and encouragement to the protesters and by calling out China's unfair trade practices in a way that bites. I don't think that some of the protesters we spoke to, we talked to one gentleman who wanted the British to come back and rule the UK again. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen, which is too bad. But I think uh, Donald Trump just might make the bullies of Beijing themselves back down. I think he'll help save Hong Kong and keep it free if it can be done. And you know what? I think he's gonna make America richer in the bargain. That's our special show for today. Extended videos from Avi in Hong Kong. He's there for another day or two. You can see all of his videos at hongkongreports.com. They're great. Uh, we spent four or $5,000 getting him and his cameraman there. If you think it was worth it, and I sure do, you can help chip in right there at hongkongreports.com. I'm pretty proud of his work, and I hope you are too. Stay with us. Your letters are next. Welcome back on my monologue Friday about Donald Trump showing support for the Hong Kong protest. Keith writes, the Chinese are amassing a very large force of troops along the Hong Kong and Chinese border. The whole situation could very easily turn into one hell of a big duck shoot. Tempers fare very quickly and life is cheap in the Orient. Trust me, I lived there as a limey soldier for nearly five decades. Um, I mean, Hong Kong is an amazing city culturally, economically, politically, historically. Uh, I wonder if China thinks that its specialness, its wealth, its, its world-classness is now more of a liability than an asset. I mean, the rest of China is rich, not in the same way, but in sort of the world's factory kind of way. I think that President Xi would not hesitate to do a Tiananmen Square there if he thought he could get away with it. But as Donald Trump said, you do that and no deal with the West is possible. I think he's right. Other than, of course, some European Union countries who do a deal with anyone. Bruce writes, Trump is a master negotiator. He knows what will get his opposition on the run. I hope it's true that this communist dynasty will crumble from the outside in. Yeah, well, I mean... Look at Hong Kong, they're doing great. Uh, I was in Taiwan, it's been a few years, but 
they care about freedom too. I think there was a historic bias against Chinese people. Uh, I think some Western chauvinists thought there's no way that our Western liberal culture of freedom can take root in a Confucian worldview. I don't know if, if that was ethnocentric. I think it was just sort of a, a statement about the philosophy of Confucianism versus our individualistic uh, philosophy of uh, rebellion and individual liberty in the West. But I think, did, did you see those Hong Kong young people? I think they actually understand freedom, and especially that young lady who was talking to Americans, and, and I think they can articulate freedom better than your average college kid in Canada or the United States. Would you agree with me on that? And I tell you, it's one thing to talk about freedom in the United States, where we've got the Second Amendment to back up the first. It's one thing to talk about freedom in Canada when we're not in acute jeopardy, but to stand with that courage on a street knowing a few miles away there are tanks mustering, well, I have to say, I am impressed, and I scarce can think of an example around the world that matches it. I'm a fan. Frankly, as I said to our team here, I wish it was me in Hong Kong meeting these heroes, not my friend Avi Amini, who's doing a great job. On my interview with Manny Montenegrino, Barb writes, Always a learning experience when Manny Montenegrino provides his input. If the RCMP fail to investigate and charge Trudeau with obstruction of justice, they send Canadians a definite signal that they too are part of the Librano corruption. Well, yeah, <clears throat> now I, I see news that Jody uh, Wilson-Raybould said the RCMP contacted her in the spring. All right, well, it's uh, the summer and almost the fall now, and an election is upon us. I can't understand why there's no investigation or charges, especially after Mario Dion's ethics report, but perhaps Trudeau has succeeded in corrupting that institution as well. That's our show for today. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, whether you're in Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom, or Hong Kong, good night and keep fighting for freedom.